Good evening, buddies. Welcome to another segment of BuddyCast. I'm here with my new buddy, Toto Johnson. How are you doing today, sir? Great. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Thanks for inviting me, and hello to all the viewers at home. Yep. Thank you for being on the show. I'm honored to have someone from Ringling Brothers. I've always wanted to meet someone from there, you know? Oh, it's uh, it's uh, my pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. So let me start out by asking, how did you get involved in clowning? You know, I, it was kind of by accident. Uh, I was just 10 years old, um, and my hometown, Naugatuck, Connecticut, through the Parks and Recreation Department, has a division called Youth Services. And it's just, you know, basically classes for kids and organized sports and things like that. And in the spring of 1977, they advertised a clown course. And I was already interested in puppets and mime. I was in a gifted and talented class one day a week at school. They had a lot of independent study. So while we we're doing you know, science and things like that, we also had plenty of time to do independent study. And I just happened to get into things like puppet making and mime and things like that. So I took this class on being a clown when I was 10. And that was it. You know, it was, uh, I was the, the bug head bit. <laughs> That sounds awesome. So how did you pick all like your clown features and everything, like your costume or like your character and all that? You know, it kind of just develops. Uh, my first clown costume when I was 10 was actually a Halloween costume that my my dad's mom had made for herself for a Halloween party. And it was just, you know, sitting in the closet and I was taking this clown class. And so I and I still have it. Matter of fact, now it's in my it's in my attic. Um, but. Uh, that was my first clown costume, but there was nothing, uh, you know, there was no science behind designing it. It was my grandmother's and I just wore it. Um, but after that, it was, you know, my my mom's mother made me some costumes, taking some of my grandfather's old costumes, uh, old, you know, wool trousers and shirts and things, and she would sew some patches on it. And, um but then little by little, when I started going to clown conventions around New England and things like that, when I was like 14, 15 years old, and I you know, was introduced to people like Betty Cash and the Circus Clowns, which was up in um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, and some of the different, you know, uh, back then there weren't as many, you know, clown costume manufacturers and things like that as, as there are now, but um, you know, I started getting a, a bow tie from this one and a, a jacket from this one. Uh, and then when I went to the Ringling Clown College, we all had costume designers that would watch how you moved and what you thought your character was going to be kind of gravitating towards. And they would work with you on, on um, a, a look. And I knew I wanted plaid um, and... But it looked like I was going to be kind of a proper Auguste, kind of stupid, but proper, no slaps and falls and things like that. So my clown college wardrobe was based on a tailcoat tuxedo, but everything was too short. So the arms were only three quarters of the way down my arms. The the pants were only just below the knees. Um, The jacket itself was cut off about mid chest. But then when I got on the road with Ringling, I found that I started doing falls and I was putting gags where I had to do falls. So I had what I call my floor suit made, which was made out of the same wool plaid, but it was baggy pants and a vest and I could move in it better. And I just found that I started getting more and more slapstick and my costumes started getting baggier and baggier and baggier 
till now I have, you know, I have some pants with, I have a 30 inch waist and I have pants with a 50 inch waist and, you know, my coats are huge and everything, you know, weighs a ton, but it's just over, you know, the 35 years of my career professionally, it's just, it's just what it's become. It was never a planned thing. It was just out of necessity and comfort and just the direction and everything kind of went naturally. I never planned any of it. Mm -hmm. Now, how'd you pick your name? Toto actually, people think, oh, it comes from the Wizard of Oz or it comes from the rock group or, you know, anything like that. But it actually came from a Liberace TV show. Liberace had a TV special called Leapin' Lizards right around 1977. And on that show, he had uh, a puppeteer, very famous puppeteer by the name of Barkley Shaw, did marionettes and such. And Barkley Shaw had a um, marionette of a clown named Toto that was on that show. So we're watching as a family uh, that night. And my dad just says, oh, I didn't know you were going to be on TV. You know, talk about this little clown that was on TV. And I didn't have a clown name. So I adopted the name Toto as my clown name. And I used that from 10 to 18 strictly as a clown name. The rest of the time I was, you know, when I was a little kid, I was Ronnie Johnson. Then I became Ron Johnson. Um, mm -hmm. And Toto was only a clown name. But when I was 18 and the first day I went to clown college, I decided, you know, I'm just going to use Toto as a nickname rather than a clown name. And so from 18, I'm now 53. Uh, I've been Toto. Most people call me Toto. My family calls me Toto. My nephews have always called me Uncle Toto. Um, very few people call me Ron anymore. If you call me Ron, I know that you really don't know me or you've mm -hmm. known me since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And even most of the people I went to school with are calling me Toto because that's how I, I mean, I'm listed on Facebook as Toto Johnson. So, yeah. yeah. So to Toto is my name now. Nice. I remember I used to be a clown. I used to be Buddy the Clown. So I remember walking to our local clown hall and um, just walking into the alley and, you know, everyone, you'd know, oh, there's Silly. There's, uh, so, you know, there's Happy. There's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's whoever. And then someone would come in and say, hi, I'm looking for uh, James so-and-so. Everyone's looking around like, who? And then they go, oh, hi. Uh, happy? Oh, happy. Why did you say so? Yeah, I know that exact thing happened to me. One time I used to work for uh, a circus circus casino property in Tunica, Mississippi. It was on a riverboat and um, owned by the parent company in Las Vegas. And I clowned there for uh, a little over two years. And one time uh, my middle brother, John, had called the casino to ask me something or tell me something or whatever it was. And so he gets, you know, the operator, you know, and human resources or whatever. And he asks for Ron Johnson. And the person says, we don't have anybody here by that name. He goes, well, I know he works there. He's my brother. I'm sorry, sir. We don't have a Ron Johnson on staff. Well, he's one of the, one of the performers. Well, we only have five performers. We don't have a Ron Johnson. He goes, oh, wait a minute. Toto. He goes, oh, I'll connect you right away, sir. Because <laughs> they had no idea. You know, because nobody called me Ron Johnson. But yeah. Most definitely. Now, speaking of some traveling, you did some traveling with the Ringling Brothers, didn't you? Yes, I spent four years on tour. I went to Clown College in 1985, um, and then I spent two, four years on tour with the Ringling Red Unit. So uh, Clown College in 1985. In 1986, I was on the uh, 
second year of the Living Unicorn Tour. So I worked with a Living Unicorn. Then in 87 and 88, it was the King Tusk Tour, the largest land mammal traveling the face of the earth, the biggest elephant I have ever seen in my life. Uh, and then I did the first year of Gunther Gabe Williams' Farewell Tour in 89. So those were my, my four years on Ringling. But even after I left Ringling, I would sometimes do what we call Advanced Clown, um, which is, you know, in, in advance of the show, going to a town, they'll have publicity events. Um, and so I would work as an advanced clown. So I did that on and off, you know, rare, you know, maybe one or two days a year or something like that until 2013. So from 85 to 2013, um, I got a paycheck of some sort from Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, even if it was only for a couple of days work for some of those years, but uh, always, always kept my nose in it. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what were you feeling? If you don't mind me asking when you heard the circus was closing back in, I think I, could, I couldn't believe it. I, I could not believe it. Um, I actually found out literally within minutes of the announcement being made when the, when the cast and crew found out, I almost immediately heard from somebody on the show. Um, and I couldn't believe it. You know, Ringling Brothers is older than baseball. I mean, it, it I, I, yeah, you know, um, it was a shock, an absolute shock. Um, and, you know, even now, even today, I'm, I, I just can't believe that it's gone. I think it'll come back in some capacity at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and I did get to go to the show on the last day. Um, a clown that I know from uh, England, I worked with him in England at a clown festival. Um, he was living in Spain at the time. He came over to the US uh, with, with his son. Um, his son's godmother came in from London, England. Her boyfriend was in Denmark, and we all gathered together um, to go see the show one one final time. And so I was there on the last day, um, crying my eyes out, of course. And, mm -hmm. uh, but um, I'm glad I was there. I was glad I was there for the last day. Yep. Was it a good show, at least? Um, yes and no. The, I mean, the, the cast gave it, it's their all, um, mm -hmm. but it was the, you know, it was the, the hybrid between the circus and I, and ice skating. And so I didn't like that, mm -hmm. you know, it, the, it, it had some good acts that I really had never seen before. Um, but I just didn't like all that themed, you know, when, when Ringling went to those themed shows, like, like the show where, um, Mr. Gravity disrupted the gravity. And so all the acts that were supposed to be on the ground went in the air and the air acts went in the ground and, and, and the, the zing, zang, zoom with the magic. And I, I didn't like the storylines throughout the show. I, I liked the storyline for like the spec, you know, like the living unicorn or King Tusk where there was a big, you know, a, a theme themed number but but i was never a big fan of the theme throughout the whole show and a storyline i thought that distracted that distract was distracting to me um and i think i thought always for me anyways it took away from the 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 acts as acts um because you, you were more on the story than you were what the right yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly so 
Now, maybe somebody else has a different opinion, but I'm, I was very yeah. traditional. I, when I went yeah. to see Ringling, I wanted to see it yeah. the way that I worked on it, you know, where, mm -hmm. where, you know, what I consider part of the heyday. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, I might just be a little biased. Yeah, everyone's in touch. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you, are you still clowning today? Are you still doing some clowning? Yes, um, not as much. Um, well, let me, let me preface that. I'm not in makeup as mm -hmm. much, but what I do now, I still consider in a lot of ways clowning. I put a lot of facial expression into it, a lot of humor. Um, so, um, while I'm not looking like that up above me every day anymore, um, I do science shows and bubble shows. Now I work for a buddy of mine, Rick Brammer, who started a company called absolute science. Um, about three and a half, four years ago, I guess now he started it and I've been working for him for about two and a half years of that, um, doing science shows and bubble shows. And we do science workshops and we host science events, hands-on stations. We do bubble stations. And, uh, so that's what I have this for because I play, uh, <laughs> a character called professor Toto. And, uh, so I figure I'm still clowning. I'm just not you know, in the red nose and the, you know, size 29 shoes every day, but mm -hmm. I still do that on occasion, um, mostly yep. overseas. Um, mm -hmm. the, the big poster behind me, mm -hmm. um, is from the first time I went to India for the international clown festival. I was 11 days in Mumbai, India. Um, and this was actually, uh, um, hung in the lobby of, um, St. Andrew's auditorium in Bum Mumbai. And, uh, so I brought that home with me. But um, so I still do that on occasion. Um, I work in India quite a bit. My, my buddy Martin D'Souza, his wife Roshni have a production company of entertainment in Mumbai. And um, they do incredible international clown festivals in India and plus some other countries. Um, and I go to China a lot too. I work for a company called after um, the um, AEMI um, and um, been to China six times of my eight times through them. And, uh, so, yep, I still get to do that. Um, and when I do that, it's uh, like the last time I went to India, um, which was December into January of this year. Um, I was there for 25 days. The time before that was 32 days. So when I am going overseas, it's typically for a, a good hunk of, hunk of time. Definitely. Now I always ask this to people that come to the show. Has COVID played an impact on your shows? It sounds like I'm just going to. Oh, horribly, horribly. Yeah. We, we have our main tour with absolute science and um, our secondary, um, our newest creation a little over a year ago was the big bang bubble show. And we do a summer tour of libraries. Um, and we were going to be myself and five others. Um, we're going to be in nine States on tour with libraries. Um, first three weeks of June, I was supposed to be in South Dakota and Wyoming, um, for example. And so, and that all got canceled. I mean, it, it was canceled. So um, it was, uh, you know, a big blow. So we had, you might hear my dog barking. I have, I have a 10 pound rat terrier that thinks he owns the neighborhood. Cooper, hush. Um, but uh yeah, so we, we had to come up with a, you know, a plan B. So we videotaped all of our shows. 
Um, plus, uh, my buddy Rick Brammer also does magic, so he puts some magic shows together. Another fellow that works with us, Steve Couch, um, he has a robot show and music shows. And so we put all our videos together, bubbles and everything. And we came up with a package that we then marketed to libraries across the country. And, um, and so they got access to these videos for three months um, to show how they wanted to show it. And, uh, and so we did recoup some from that. Um, nowhere near what we would have had live. Um, but, uh, but, you know, you have to be creative when something like this, you know, happens, you have to figure out a way to, you know, to either sink or swim. And we decided to swim. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I have had a, a few, you know, live things um, with, you know, um, distancing. Um, we have bubble wagons. Rick and I go out with bubble wagons. And so we'll, we've gone go, basically rolled our wagons through neighborhoods and the, the, the neighborhood is sitting on the, each household is sitting on their lawns. And we stop for a couple of minutes in each household and do some bubbles and whatnot. And, uh, you know, just figure out a way. And, um, mm. you know, so we're surviving and, uh, but, uh, It'd be nice if this COVID thing would uh, be figured out and get a vaccine or whatnot, because we would really love to go back to business as usual, because uh, I know so many performers that are not doing anything now, and we're all chomping at the bit because we want to uh, we want to be in front of our audiences. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Pump, pump, pumpkin pie soda. Mm-hmm. So... Um... What was that one question I just had for you? Oh, yeah. Have you ever considered like a virtual show? Maybe like doing anything like what we're doing now with, um, you know, Facebook um, Live or. I, I haven't done a whole lot with Facebook Live. Um, we decided to go the route of, of you know, pre done videos. I mm-hmm. did have one library um, that had hired us and they wanted to do a streaming thing from their library. So I went to the library. And there was only like three kids there um, and they were the librarian's children. Mm. And, and so it was so odd to not have anybody there, but we streamed it. And that, that was, I've only done a couple of things like that. Um, But my buddy, Martin D'Souza, Flubber the Clown from Mumbai that I was talking about from the Clown Festival, he did a thing for every day. It was with, um, it was called Flubber at Five. And at first he was teaching magic tricks and balloon animals. And it was just a live thing that he did um, in his clown makeup every, every day uh, for like the first month that India was locked down. And then he started the thing where it was twice a week where he had a, a guest clown or juggler or something in. So I was on his show with that. Um, and, um, and that was live. And then I had to get up at like three o'clock in the morning and put my makeup on because, you know, it's five o'clock in India is, you know, like six o'clock in the morning here. So, and um, so then, uh, and then for World Juggling Day, Martin arranged, um, I think it was on Zoom with like 20 different jugglers from around the world and all did a little piece. And what I did is I didn't juggle. I taught kids how to make their own juggling balls. So that that's really about the only live live that I've done. Um, I, we have a Ringling Clown alumni group that gets together every Sunday night. Um, and um, matter of fact, they're right now they're they're having it. 
Um, and and that no, that's okay. Well, tonight is just a video night, so I can go back and watch that later. But they'll have a different topic every week, and then they'll have people, you know, that either worked on this particular gag or whatnot um, on Zoom, and it'll be like a discussion. So, um, and um, like one one week, it was all about the the history of African American clowns uh, on Ringling Brothers Circus and things like that. Um, and, uh, so there's different topics and, or different gags are discussed. Last week was the history of the soap gag, you know, and different soap gags that were on Ringling and things like that. So, so that's always fun. So I guess, I guess there's more live stuff than I thought there was that I've been doing, but, um, but most of the videos, uh, were, were pre-taped. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have, but that, like, this might be like a biased question or whatnot. Do you have any uh, favorite memories as a clown? Like any of your favorite memories from traveling with the circus? Just... You know, it's, I've got, it's hard to pinpoint stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there was, there's been some times that I went, wait, did this, did this really happen to me? Mm -hmm. um, like I was um, selected, um, invited by, Princess Stephanie of Monaco uh, um, to be an honored guest at an event called Festiclune de Monte Carlo. It was back in 2006, um, April 8th and 9th, 2006. And I was invited um, specifically uh, by royalty to go to this event as an honored guest. So that was, I mean, that's, that's a, a, a pretty good memory. Um, you know, my first, my first show on Ringling going out there for the first time, so scared. I mean, like literally like shaking beyond belief and so exhilarated that, you know, this dream I had had since I was a kid, I mean, I was still a kid, you know, right out of high school, but, you know, to go to clown college and to go off to Ringling and to be a Ringling clown, um, that, I mean, that was a dream come true. Um, and so there's like big moments, you know, people go, oh yeah, yeah, big moment. But then one of the most meaningful, um, times ever is when I lived in Atlanta area. Um, my ex-wife Renee was a ringling clown. We met at clown college and got married in the circus, which was another big thing. I mean, literally married in ring two of the, of the ringling brothers, Barnbilly circus in Philadelphia. Um, and riding off on an elephant, you know, just married and all that. Um, another huge moment. Um, but we had settled in Renee's hometown in Conyers, Georgia. And I got a call from Make-A-Wish in Atlanta to go to a birthday party. A little girl um, wanted a clown. That was her wish, was to have a clown at her birthday party. So I get the address and I go and I know, you know, this is serious because it's a make-a-wish thing. Um, and the party, I, I believe she was going to be turning six. Um, mm. But her birthday was actually several months away, but she wasn't going to live that long. So they were holding this party early. So I get there and there's a hospital bed in the living room. And, you know, this girl, you can see she's in pain. Um, I mean, it was just... And the only people there were mom and dad, her younger brother, who was probably two or three, and he hated me at first. Um, and then one set of grandparents. I don't know which, which side of the family. And I literally did my show. And when I'm a clown, I'm, you know, big and bold and yell and scream and make a lot of noise. But that wasn't going to work in here. 
So I just sat on her hospital bed and did little magic tricks, made balloons. Everything was quiet, you know, and gentle. Um, but I could, you know, she would smile a little bit. And, you know, for that hour, I was her clown. And then when I was leaving, you know, her parents followed me out and said, you know, you know, what do we owe you? And, you know, I said, you don't, you don't owe me a thing. Um, you know, I consider this a, a God-given talent and a blessing. Um, and this is just the way I can, I can give back. And it wasn't, she didn't live much longer. So, you know, there's, we're all, anybody that's a clown or a magician or a performer, you are the most important thing to person to somebody at some point. And it could be a big gig or it could be in somebody's living room sitting on a hospital bed. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that and this, I mean, this was a lot of years ago. This this had to been 92, 93 in there. I mean, this was a long time ago. Um, but it's like yesterday in my head. So um so yeah, so there's you know the the stereotypical going off to ringling, that was a big thing, but um probably the most meaningful thing I've ever done is that hospital. Mm -hmm. Bed. And you're right. It's just as meaningful. It's just as meaningful when you can change the course of someone's day rather than right in a national, you know, nationally known area right. that everyone loves and adores. It's just yeah. as meaningful when you have that one person there that makes you know that you make smile or like I remember mm -hmm. that from my clown journey. I remember like there were times where yeah we had this big parade and everyone was loving us. Same time we got invited to this little thing over here like this event for this organization like a picnic and this i had this little girl who was just thrilled with everything i was doing i made her a balloon dog she was happy as can be she mm -hmm. gave me a big hug at the end it was like thank you so much and i'm like excuse me one minute I just, the con needs a minute yeah thank you you know yeah oh i you know i was fine during that whole party um for that for that little girl and but as I'm driving back home, I had to pull over and, and just lost it. Because then it was no longer, you know, the, the clown was, was wearing off mm -hmm. and, and the, the reality of the situation was hitting the person. Oh um, yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's still, uh, you know, still gets a little, tighten the throat even now when I'm talking about it, but. Mm -hmm. But that was your honest way of giving back. And let me ask mm -hmm. you this question. I asked this to all my buddies that come on the show. If you could give, if you could have our viewers give to a select charity, what would it be and why? I would say um, there's a lot. It's not really, it's not a charity. It's a museum. Mm -hmm. And I would say the International Clown Hall of Fame and Research Center in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Um, I'm on the board of directors, so I'm a little biased. Um, but it's a museum, and it can't open right now because of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, there, It's a small museum, um, but it is full of history. 
And I mean, when I say it's a small museum, physical building is small. Um, we can't really, you can't social distance in it. Um, museums, the uh, entrance doesn't really pay. Uh, I'm finding out from running a museum, uh, entrance fees don't really pay for the museum. It's having people that are sending checks in to support museums. Um, there's a lot of museums that are closing now that are, you know, closing. Um, so I would say, you know, look up the International Clown Hall of Fame and Research Center. It's in Baraboo, Wisconsin. It is run by my clown college classmate, Greg DeSanto. He was a, a Ringling Blue Unit clown while I was on the Ringling Red Unit. Greg and I have worked as partners uh, for some shrine circuses through Hammond Circus Productions. We've also been partners a couple of times for uh, international festivals in China. Um, and he's there for the day-to-day -day operations. I live about three hours away, so I'm there for special occasions and things. Um, but we're a museum and we've got no entrance fees coming in. We've got no anything coming in. Um, and so I would say if you, if there's anybody that can uh, spare a few bucks, you know, look up the website, Google, look up on Facebook, International Clown Hall of Fame and Research Center, and um, send, you know, your millions to them. Mm -hmm. Hey, now time for what we call the ultimate buddy question. The mm -hmm. ultimate best question. Yeah. What is your advice to anyone out there who wants to be a clown or an entertainer? Do it. Um, you're never too young. You're never too old. Um, I would say, and I'll talk about just being specifically about being a clown. Take mm -hmm. the time to do the makeup right. Um, when I first started doing this makeup, I hate, I hate where you have to, I have to point the opposite direction. I want. Yeah. When I start, when I developed that makeup at clown college, it took me an hour to put it on. Um, over the years of doing it every day, I got it down to about 20 minutes now because I don't see well without these and I've had some hand injuries. My fingers don't work as well. It takes me about 40 minutes to put my makeup on the way I like to put it on. Now, if I'm going to be doing a soap gag and I know it's coming off, then I can put it on pretty quick, um, do some shortcuts, but if I want it right, it's, it's a good 40 minutes. Um, if you need 40 minutes or an hour to put your makeup on or two hours to put your makeup on, take the time and do it right. Um, honor the craft, honor the people and respect the people that did this before we did this. Um, but do it, go out there and do it. Don't worry about being perfect the first time. Don't sweat it. Um, you know, you should see some of the nasty makeups that I designs I had when I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. But I knew I wanted to do it. So I would say jump in with both feet, find a way, you know, walk in parades or go to, you know, find a clown club if there's a clown club near you. And um, we've got a, a clown club here in uh, what's called the Quad Cities. It's Eastern Iowa, Western Illinois. I'm in Davenport, Iowa. Um, we have the Quad City Clown Troop. It's made up primarily of retired folks that are doing it as a hobby. They go to nursing homes and, and things like that. So uh, I would say find a way to do it, do it right, learn as much as you can, read, um, get online, find people to help you, 
but but do it because the more you do it the better you'll get absolutely most and definitely so yeah just do it that's my advice just do it do it like find a way and do it be like nike and just do it that's right just do it all righty well, thank you so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. I certainly learned a lot. I love learning about your experiences, and that was some great advice you gave. And that was a truly, truly heart-touching story. Like, I'm not going to lie. I had to wipe a tear away from my eye real quick that you yeah, gave. Nor normally, normally I, I can't, you know, get through it without getting uh, choked up. So this this is a this is a kind of a first because it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, it's, it's still um, – like I still said, I, I'm still talking about it all these years later as one of the one of the as if it most happened meaningful yesterday. moments in my in my career mm -hmm. as if it happened yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I can still I can still remember the front of the house. I can still remember exactly the layout of the living room. Um, mm -hmm. I can still see all the faces um, as if I was there today. Um, that's how deeply it, it, it is ingrained in my, in my soul, I think. Mm -hmm. Now I like to end buddy cast on a positive note. All What's right. your favorite joke for our audience out there? My favorite joke. You know what? I'm a physical comedian, so I don't, I don't have favorite, a favorite joke. Oh my word. I don't, I don't even know. What's one of your favorites that you can make up like off the top of your head? Oh, um, Oh my word. You know, there's this horrible joke. It's not even a good joke. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It, it, I think it's funny, but it, it's not funny. So I'm going to preface it. This is not funny, but I love this one. And I don't even know why. So there's a farmer, an old farmer in a horse drawn cart going down the road. So he's going down the road in this horse drawn cart. And he looks over on the side of the road and there's a dog sitting there. And he looks at the dog and the dog says, good morning. And the farmer says, I didn't know dogs could talk. No horse says, neither did I. See, it's not a good joke. It's not a good joke. But I like that one. I, I yes. just, I don't, it's not oh, even I a, the horse is talking now. Yeah, to see the horse is talking. See, if ah. you gotta explain it, it's not a good joke. See, that's why I throw pies and I hit people in the head with boards and I get anvils dropped on my head because. I'm not a physical, I, I'm a physical comedian. I don't tell jokes. Mm -hmm. I'm not a joke teller. So, I, I'm not yeah. So, I don't know. What's your favorite act? Like, what's your favorite, like, stunt to do with someone if you're that you know, type I'm, of comedian? I, I love the real physical stuff. So a soap gag, we call them <laughs> soap gags. You know, you see uh, clowns out there that are wallpaper hangers or something and are sloshing this. 40, 40 gallons of it's whip shaving soap is what it is, but we got 40 gallons and we're all covered in it and, you know, falling in bats of it and putting the hats on with a hole in it and squeezing it down. So it shoots up 20 feet in the air. Um, mm. You know, I love that kind of stuff. Um, I love um, like the old construction gags where we're swinging boards and knocking each other out of chairs and hitting each other in the head with boards and, and anything that's really physical. Um, is is what I really enjoy doing. So um, if when I'm when I'm clowning, it's 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 got to be really physical stuff. Um, there's nothing there's nothing subtle about the the kind of clowning I do. Mm -hmm. All righty. Once again, this is my new buddy Toto Johnson. Thank you again for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me. This is okay. fun.
most definitely. To all my buddies out there, you know the routine. Go be someone's buddy today. So, That's right. Yep. We'll catch you next time here on BuddyCast.